Hey, it's Meatball. And Mark. And this is the Rocker Morning Show on demand from 107.7 RKR. Kalamazoo's Rock Station 107.7 RKR Rocker Morning Show with Meatball. Hey, Mark Frankhouse. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Doing good. Yeah. yeah, halfway through this week and preparing. Yeah, right. Pre- preparing for the storm right. of the century again, <laughs> which probably won't even be all that. It, well, at least uh, maybe. For, I don't at know. At least for us. Yeah. In I don't know. Kalamazoo. I, the, they're saying we're like right in the bullseye for like the worst ice part of the storm. Mm, that's not what I'm hearing. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a lot of. Who are this, you hearing from? Uh, WWMT. Reddit? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Reddit? Yeah. I go, I go to Reddit for all of my news. <laughs> That I mean, place I, is toxic as hell. I right? get most of yeah. mine from Twitter, you know. That's uh, <laughs> that's how I learn about most world events. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, as of right now, I mean, it's like 0.3 inches of snow, I think. Um, I, I know the ice storm, you know, through tomorrow morning, like around the time that we wake up and get yeah. to work, um, you know, we're, we're in that. Like you said, we're in that zone. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get some freezing rain and some rain. That's the, the ice is not, it, that, let me just tell you, ice storms, I've lived through a ton of these because I, you know, when I lived in Kansas, Oklahoma, I lived further south. Yeah. Like it doesn't stay cold long enough down there for it to just snow and stay. So like right. the weather systems will come in while it's still raining and then it freezes as it's coming down. So yeah, it's the ice storms suck. You're man. not, you're not. You're not too far off, honestly, because, like, you're right, like, Kalamazoo Portage, there's, like, a 50% chance we're going to get, like, knocked up with this. But, you know, it's, hopefully it's not going to be too, too terrible. I know around, like, uh, I can think around, like, Holland area, east Mm -hmm. of Grand Rapids, that's going to be nasty. So they, uh, they're like the I was it I uh, ninety six up there from like Grand Rapids to Lansing, yeah, and then I sixty nine east from there. Like that whole line north is mostly going to be like wintry mix and snow stuff. Everything gotcha. south of that's going to be like the freezing rain. At least that's what the the weather uh, stations are showing and stuff. Yeah, Keith, I don't know. I, Keith Thompson uh, last night sent out at te- it, it was like a couple hours ago. Yeah, he said the probability of ice at or above 0.25 inches is about fifty percent for Kalamazoo. And Dude, a quarter inch of ice that is sucks. a lot. That sucks. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that is a lot of ice. You want to know what my biggest indicator of this storm sucking is going to be? The last week, I've pulled up to work and I've seen this family of like deer. Out here in our backyard. Yeah. There's been maybe yeah, between a half dozen and a dozen of them every time I see them. And they've been out there every day for the past week. Today, yeah. nothing. No sign. None whatsoever. <laughs> like, not even, none of our standard woodland creatures are out there. Like, nah, we're not having this, man. They're hunkering down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I, I've, I've lived through ice storms before that are pretty gnarly. Um, when I was in Oklahoma working, I was still working in a newspaper, actually, at the time. Okay. Um, the storm came through and it knocked out power to mine and my buddy's house uh that we were staying at we were both working at the newspaper so we were just like ah we'll just the the newspaper office has power so we'll just grab a mattress and stay there because it was like seven degrees outside right we didn't have heat so we stayed at the office i slept in the dark room and he slept underneath our boss's desk in his office (laughs) (laughs) but the weirdest thing about that was like we would wake up the next morning and we were already at work. Like, there was no escaping work. That <laughs> was awful. Oh, it was terrible. So, 
I would wake up and like people be in the office doing their thing, making sales, people running around, people writing stories and doing stuff. And I'm just sitting on my desk in my pajamas, sipping coffee, eating like bacon <laughs> and eggs and stuff, watching YouTube. <laughs> That's great. We're so privileged down here in the Lower Peninsula because down here we're like, oh my God, my power's out and I got to sleep at work. And everyone in the UP is like, cool, that's Tuesday for me. <laughs> right? Kalamazoo's Rock Station 1077 RKR, Rock and Morning Show with Meepo. And Mark Frankhouse. Meepo, there is potentially the most priceless baseball sitting at the bottom of the Great Lakes right now. Okay. I'm intrigued because pitchers and catchers reported this week. Yes. I think for baseball. I believe so. So I'm, I'm definitely in a baseball state of mind, and I might do something stupid with a lot of money if I can find it. Sad thing, I don't know if anybody ever will find it, but oh. there is a rumor that Babe Ruth's very first home run ball is on the bottom of Lake Ontario. Whoa. So. That's got to be, that's that's probably over 100 years old now, isn't it? It is 109 years old. Wow. This was hit in 1914, and... It was an old ball field called Hanlon's Point Stadium. It's in Toronto. Okay. And it's right off of Lake Ontario. And there's an airport there now. The stadium's no longer there. But, yeah, yeah apparently he was uh, he was playing minor league ball. And it was the only home run he ever hit in the minor leagues. Okay. He was playing for the Providence Grays. Oh. Um, and sh funny enough, the team he was playing, the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> before yeah the toronto maple Leafs. before they became a well, hockey team no actually oh. that may have been at the same time they may have had two of this identical team that would be that would be confusing it, like oh, well, I'm, going to, I'm going to see the toronto maple Leafs, the the baseball team or the hockey team no the cricket team <laughs> all of our teams here in canada are the same name um the curling team yeah so yeah they beat they beat the maple Leafs nine and nothing okay and then obviously babe ruth quickly moved up to the major leagues right, and, right. you know, became the phenom. But yeah, uh, apparently this home run ball, now it's said that the home run ball fell on the bleachers. There's, there's mixed, there's mixed feelings about it, but I don't care, man. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm, I kind of want to find some scuba gear and go into Lake Ontario. I mean, that's, that's the thing of legends, man. And that's, I love, that's what I love about baseball is there's so many things of legends out there. Like the rumor is that the Ken Griffey Jr. home run never hit the ground. Like it's still, it, it got launched into outer yeah. space and it's in orbit right now. <laughs> Like it's, right. it's what actually knocked that Chinese satellite out of the, out of the space <laughs> not too long ago. But um, you can you can check this commission. out on the Rocker app uh, if you want to read about it. This is pretty interesting. Um, I, I like how <laughs> there's a there's a apparently there's a plaque yeah uh, there commemorating the moment, um, and it's very very poignant. It talks about you know the the event and uh, you know pitching for the Grays. Uh, he only allowed Babe Ruth only allowed one hit. Uh, they called him the Southside Phenom. They won nine nothing. Uh, Babe Ruth quickly moved on to the major leagues and played his way to a phenomenal career. Uh, but the end of that plaque is like <laughs> all this stuff about, you know, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Toronto Maple Leafs baseball team won 11 pennants before folding in 1967. So we can <laughs> focus on hockey only. <laughs> is it really? I don't think it says that. No, I added the hockey part. <laughs> it's time to turn up your dials and tune out the traffic because we're playing The Day on the Rocker Morning Show. Testing the mental magnitude of your favorite morning monkeys on the radio. And now, your hosts for the Daily Five, Meatball and Mark Frank House. 
It is the Daily Five where Mark and I ask each other questions. The other one answers. Today, I am answering the questions. Mark is asking the questions. And Maxine is here to try and help me out. How are you, Maxine? I'm good. That is great to hear. You need to help Meatball get three out of five questions correct to get the victory today. Otherwise, I'm going to take an early weak victory. So, uh, Meatball... We can't allow that to happen, yeah, Maxine. Meatball can... No, we can't let that happen. All right. <laughs> That's so right. let's get this bad boy rolling. All right, let's go. And question number one is in the category of science. Okay. The largest raindrops in the world can reach the size of which of the following? A housefly, a honeybee, or the American toad? Wow. American Toad is like one of those little green boys that you'll yeah, see in the yeah. garden. That's those are pretty big. Mm. Um, I'm gonna go with I think the toad. What do you think? That's man, the toad seems really big. I've been pelted some okay. some big old raindrops before. Drop, drop. Uh, okay. I mean, I've been in some. <laughs> in the south, we call okay. Then you got man. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the south. We literally called these toad stranglers. There was so much rain that it just like it just drowned them all. But I don't know. I would say you said honeybee. Is that, yes. That was. I feel like and a housefly. And a housefly. I feel like I feel like raindrops can get up to the size of a honeybee. Like those are okay. I've felt some pretty big raindrops pelt me in yeah, the face before. I'm thinking yeah, the frog might be a little too big. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with. All right. I think <laughs> getting hit with a raindrop the size of a frog would be like somebody throwing right a shot you in your face. <laughs> Yeah, let's go with. I think I'm feeling. It would sting a bit. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Um, let's go with the honeybee final answer. All right. So, I mean, when you've got trillions of these, it gives the illusion that they're bigger than the fly. It's a house fly. It's about the biggest. Right. But still, house flies can get pretty big. Yeah. When you got trillions of those raining down, it does give that illusion. That's fair enough. All right. Raindrops the size of a frog. <laughs> I just wanted to make you laugh. Uh, oh, trust me. The visual alone. <laughs> Category number two, we're moving uh, something a little bit more into Meatball's wheelhouse here, sports. All right. Which, all right. which of these baseball all-stars is allergic to chocolate? Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, or Ken Griffey Jr.? I have no idea. So... I think a couple of these guys actually, at least one of them, I think, has a chocolate bar made, like a, a, a signature uh, chocolate bar. That was a big thing in the 90s, I think, for baseball players to have their own. I'm not a sports fan, so I have no idea. Um, maybe I'm thinking of Wade Boggs. I know Wade Boggs had his own chocolate bar. I'll, like, I'll look in this. Um, Ken Seiko had one. Wade Boggs had Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. Ken had Griffey one. Ken Griffey Jr. had one. That's the one I was trying uh, to think of, too. I think Baby Ruth was named after Babe Ruth. Yeah. Okay. I could have got that one. <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm gonna say Ken Griffey Jr. is out because he had his own signature chocolate bar. Uh, give me the other two again. Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa. Interesting. Mm. I don't know. I... I Something is making me lean towards Sammy Sosa on this. What do you think, Maxine? I had that in my mind, but hey, I guess big frogs. So what do I know? <laughs> well, you know so you're, you're the sports guy. I'm going with you. You were, you were going for the laugh on the frog, and trust me, as a morning radio guy, I totally get it. I think the fact, the fact that both of us gravitated towards Sammy Sosa just instinctively, I'm going to go with that and say final answer. All right. Why would anybody with a 
chocolate allergy have their own chocolate bar. You're, te- you're uh-huh. Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. is allergic to chocolate and yet has his own chocolate bar. I'm gonna guess that chocolate bar tasted like crap because he like <laughs> yeah yeah just put How it out. How does he know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have your own chocolate bar. What's it taste like? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we gotta get these now. All right, gotta gotta. All right, move. here we go. It gets tough from here. Oh, great. History. Okay. Who is the earliest born person ever captured on film's birth year? So this is the person who was born the earliest. That was ever captured on on film. film. That's both photograph and film. Gotcha. 1746. Okay. 1765 or 1788. 1746. So it's all in the 1700s. So it's 46, 65, 88. The earliest person born who was captured on film. Some of the earliest photographs ever, I believe, were from the early to mid-1800s. So all three of those dates are not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, I want to say I've seen photos of like, you know, this person, this is a photo of, a, of somebody from the Civil War. But I mean, that was, yeah. that was much later. Um, 17, what was the, the earliest one again? 46, 65, or 88? I mean, this seems like one of those questions where we would go extreme in the number, right, Maxine? Yeah. Let's go with the 1746, just because it's, it's outlandish and it's crazy and it would be amazing. And we might win it. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's, let's, let's gamble it all on 46. Final answer. Yes. You got it right. Yes. It's 1746. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. You are the man. <laughs> I will say it is it's interesting because the photo of the woman uh the that the picture was taken of mm-hmm. I think she was born she was born in 1746. I think the photo was taken in 1840. Okay, wow. So, so she was like, already almost 100 years old at the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, meatball staying alive. I love to see it, man. That's right. All right. Oh, category number four, entertainment. All right. In which state was the legendary E.T. Atari video game landfill discovered? Uh, uh, it's, it, I can give you the city. It's Alamogordo, New Mexico. Final answer. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to look this up really quick. Okay. Uh, I think he's got it. He was quick on that I've one. I've seen the documentary, actually. It was, I believe it's on Netflix. And I had a coworker at one time from Alamogordo, New Mexico, out of nowhere, and he just happened to, like, know all about that. He went out to the landfill and actually found a couple of the cartridges. Here is something interesting. Oh, no. Okay. In 1983, Alamogordo Daily News of New Mexico reported in a series of articles uh-huh. that between 10 and 20 semi-trailer truckloads of Atari boxes, cartridges, and systems from an Atari st- storehouse in El Paso, uh, Texas. What? Were oh, man. Buried... At the landfill within the city, which was discovered with concrete. Mm. I'm I'm gonna look this up. I'm I'm actually gonna give you the ten, point on the, that. Ten, ten, ten All right. Because the warehouse, <laughs> the warehouse was in Texas, yeah. but Alamogordo 
was where the landfill was, so you get the point on yeah, that one. Yeah, all right. So all right. I'm going to give that to you regardless. You were right. See, right. I put down Texas, but I knew New Mexico was in there. Yeah. And so I think that may have been a case of me misreading it and me having to wake up at 3 or to maybe do my I'm, job. Maybe so, I'm just so overconfident about the wrong answer. I forced you to believe me. No, you, you got it right. You sounded so confident. I'm glad that you got that, that you knew that one. Yeah, the final yeah. category is sports meatball, so right, you got a go. good chance at Okay. Down in nineteen okay, yeah, yeah. in nineteen ten, which of these would result in a fifteen yard penalty in the game of football? Swearing at referees, <laughs> an incomplete pass, or faking a pass? I don't believe pa- passing was not very prevalent in early days of football. Um, the forward pass wasn't. It wasn't what you would see today. It was more like a lob. It was kind of like the. What's the the Tebow the jump pass or whatever oh, that gotcha. he did? Yeah, that was kind of what forward passing looked like back then. <laughs> I can see being nineteen ten. I can see swearing at the referees would <laughs> <laughs> not the case these days. I mean, within reason. Um, right. I'm gonna say faking a pass because that seems like a it seems like a football kind of like rule that would result in that. So I'm going to say faking a pass. Maxine, if you're on board with it, final answer. All right, we'll go for it. All right. Final answer, Let's faking go. a pass? Yes. Oh, no! It was an incomplete <laughs> Wait, an incomplete pass resulted in 15 yards? That is correct. So if you're no, just man. The Green Bay Packers wouldn't have... They, their penalty yards would be terrible over the past, like, 30 years. Oh, they would. Wow. Yeah, so an incomplete pass back in 1910 would result in a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I thought you needed sports. I thought I did, too, apparently. What a oh, well. heartbreaker, Meatball. You took it all the way to question five, sadly. That's all right. I get the victory okay. for the week. So, But I'll tell you what, Maxine, you did a great job helping Meatball, and we're going to hook you up with a pair of tickets to Something Rotten and a dozen donuts from Sweetwaters for being the treasure. Oh, you guys are so kind. I didn't do much. He's the one that carried me. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, but your 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 beautiful spirit carried me through all the way to the end there, Maxine. Aww. It made me. You made us laugh right away. So I mean, immediately. <laughs> that's all that well, I'm glad I could do that. Thank so, you guys so much. Thank you so much. This is the Rocker Morning Show. We're going to pay the rent. With Meatball. With our rock. And Mark Frankhouse. <laughs> on 107.7 RKR. The Rocker. Kalamazoo's Rock Station 107.7 RKR. The Rocker Morning Show with Meatball and Mark Frankhouse with another special guest joining us this morning. You know him from Seinfeld. Also, he plays Joe on Family Guy. Actor Patrick Warburton joining us today on the Rocker Morning Show. Welcome, dude. Hey, it's great to be here and um thanks for having me absolutely you know and uh letting us uh you know promote our event a little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, i was gonna say before we get to uh the celebrity golf tournament that you've organized um we have a, a new tradition that we do on the rocker morning show uh last year we were interviewing henry winkler and he gave up his favorite sandwich told us what it was and now in his honor we ask everybody that we interview the same question so patrick warburton what is your favorite sandwich I like an old, an old deli pastrami yes. or cor- a corned beef sandwich. Oh, yeah. Rye. So you you got to stack it really high, and it's got to be kind of a 
you know, hot, you know, so like the bread kind of molds to the meat there. Oh, man. And then um, the Dijon mustard just needs to be a big pile of the Dijon mustard <laughs> on the plate so you can dip that sandwich into the Dijon mustard and then eat it. That's my favorite sandwich right Oh, my there. gosh. I wasn't hungry, but now I definitely am. <laughs> so let's talk about this golf outing that you've got coming up this weekend, the the Warburton. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, you're taking kind of both aspects from your parents and combining them for this event because you know your your mother was an actor and your your father was a surgeon correct yeah well that's interesting i never heard that perspective on this before but yes two two obvious influences now yeah absolutely you know, my mother was not uh, she got out of the business professionally when she had a family but she would do community theater that's what you know made her happy. gotcha well yeah. you know she's raising four kids <laughs> But obviously, you've got that acting, you know, bug in you too. So uh, you've got that going. But this tournament uh, is is to raise funds for uh, St. Jude, correct? Yeah. How many celebrities participate in this event every year? Well, probably about sixty, I guess. You know, we have about sixty teams. We have a celebrity each team. So some of the celebrities are rock musicians, right? Or country, or some are actors, and some are athletes. Gotcha. Yeah. Now this is the twelfth annual tournament, I believe. How did this all get started? Uh, just I was um, I was out playing in a Jim McMahon Super Bowl golf tournament one year as benefiting St. Jude, and okay. um, I met a little guy from the hospital, and um, then somebody, a representative from the hospital, was there and asked me if I'd come to the hospital and read to you know kids that do a lot of you know, cartoon voices, and so I said sure. I'll go. Do you want better? I'll host an event. My wife and I had talked about wanting wanting to do something positive for this world outside. You know, of raising four awesome kids. Yeah. Like, you know, we'd always been very inspired by the work that St. Jude does. Um, and how could you not? So I put it out there, and somebody from the hospital came out to our house and hung out with us for a few days, and we got the ball rolling. And, you know, by year three, we were the number one tournament in the nation for St. Jude. And That's awesome. We have been for the last 10 years. We can't take credit for that, but um, we just have, you know, our chairman and our board and, uh, If you just joined us, we are hanging out with the voice of Joe from Family Guy, Patrick Warburton, talking about this big charity golf fundraiser he's got going on this weekend. I'm seeing on your website, thewarburton.com, where people can help support the cause, by the way. You've got Roger Clemens, our hometown rocker, Alice Cooper, uh, Shooter McGavin himself, Chris (laughs) McDonald, and uh, Sterling Sharp, just to name a few. Is it... Because of this team that you mentioned, how something like this is able to get organized? Because, I mean, there's lots and lots of talent coming in for this. Yeah, it's um, it's a big endeavor, and there's a lot of people involved that, um, you know, keep all the, the moving parts moving. So we're pretty well-oiled machine. Here, <laughs> we've got right now, if you go to www.thewarburton.com, uh-huh. we have a uh, live auction. And you can get all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, Sweet. Just told me that we have a guitar signed by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Wow. But um, there's a lot of cool live auction items. So just to go to thewarburton.com. Now, you actually get out and play this tournament every year, too, right? I just stay in a hole. I stay in one hole, and then every group that comes through, that's when we do all the group pictures. <laughs> okay, I nice. got you. Yeah. Now, if, if, you, if you were to go out and play this tournament, you know, is there anybody... In, in the 12 years that you've done this, or maybe even this year, that you would love to be paired with and go play around a round of golf with, you know, rub elbows with them? Eddie Vedder. 
Oh, man. The one and only. Yeah. (laughs) I did want to ask, too, about the voice you do for Family Guy. You've been the voice actor on this show since the beginning. Often some voice actors will move on to new ventures, but what is it about this character and the crew that you work with that's kept you just staying with that character this entire time? Well, first, in the realm of of, uh, voiceover or, you know, live action, Mm -hmm. there's nothing better than a steady gig. So, you know, it's it's been great to be a part of this for years. And, you know, Seth MacFarlane's a genius. It's a fun show. For years, I apologize for being on that the show, and now I think I more than ever we need satire. So sure, sure. Yeah. What was the initial draw to that character? Because, like you said, you know, it was kind of a kind of a weird taboo thing for a little bit, and now you know it's become one of the favorite you know characters on that show. What was the initial draw for you to get to it? The draw would have been the same. That could have been the same thing. That could have been the deterrent. Just that it's offensive. I like offensive. <laughs> Very cool. Is there a is there a, a voice actor out there? Because you do do a lot of other voice acting stuff. But is there somebody out there uh, in the voice acting world that you have not worked with that you would like to one day? Maybe the great John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> okay. I know a lot of a lot of people just think of him as I get it, just an actor. But he was also a voiceover artist, not in cartoon, obviously. <laughs> right. 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 can tell you i can honestly tell you that was the furthest from any answer i ever expected you to give us on that question (laughs) (laughs) all right all right take care patrick thank you so much thanks dude thanks mark you can listen to this full interview on the rocker app trust me there's a whole bunch of stuff here that you missed out on it's on demand check it out right now Kalamazoo's Rock Station 107.7 RKR Rock Morning Show with Meatball. And Mark Frakow. So 43 years ago today, Mark, do you know what happened? Uh, yeah, actually. One, one of the greatest calls ever on the ice as far as uh, like calling a hockey game zero, is concerned. Yeah, zero question. Actually, arguably one of the greatest calls of all time. The miracle on ice. Bunch of college kids basically from the U.S. took down the USSR in this unprecedented game at the Olympics in 1980. I just want to play this clip, man, because it, it yeah. seriously gives me goosebumps every single time. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. I mean, just ugh, instant chills, man. Dude. Instant chills. It has to be one of the top... Like one of the most iconic calls ever in sports. Without, like there's no, there's, yeah. Well, there may be a new best call ever. Oh, Meatball. really? Last night, okay. Hamilton Community Schools, the Hawkeyes, the boys basketball team were playing. Uh-huh. They won the game, but as the game ended, an uh-huh. unprecedented announcement was made by the superintendent of schools okay. that they were going to have a snow day. <laughs> okay. And listen to this epic call. It was made by a sophomore, Aiden Lynch. Listen to this phenomenal call. And Lost calls the snow day. Breaking news. Lost 
just called a snow day right here at the student section. This, oh my goodness. They rushed oh, the court. I've never seen that before. Breaking news. Lost called the snow day at Hamilton. Woo! No score for me to move. <laughs> And that's the end of the game. Zero's on the clock, 57-45. Lusk takes it home along with the Hawkeyes. Unbelievable call last wow. night. The student section rushes the court, and everybody's jumping up and celebrating. The yeah. full video of this is on the 107.7 RKR app. I am telling you guys, you need to check this out. This kid's blowing up. This has to be on ESPN. What was what was his name? Aiden. Aiden Lynch. Man, I man, I thought Gus Johnson was amazing, but Aiden, man, <laughs> woo! <laughs> Out of the deepest corners and the darkest ends of this world, from the Michigan Dogmen to Bigfoot, the Melonheads of Allegan County, and people from. Ohio. This is Weird as Wednesdays. <laughs> all right, I want to hear about a weenie. All right, we know all about the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile, right? Yeah. Iconic giant wiener on wheels traveling around the country. In fact, the oldest Wiener Mobile is over in Detroit. It's at the, the Henry Ford Museum. Ah, uh, yes. I've and, actually seen it before. Yeah, I was going to say, somewhere I have a photo with the old wiener. It's pretty cool up close. Ha! Anyway, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile was out in Las Vegas recently for an event. And while parked in the hotel parking lot of where its wiener drivers were staying, it fell victim to a theft. Oh, someone had stolen the catalytic converter off the Wienermobile. Oh, my God. It's the Wienermobile. If you're going to do something illegal to the Wienermobile, like, I don't know, take a chunk out of the wiener or something. <laughs> Not the catalytic converter. That is the only time you'll ever hear Meatball give that <laughs> advice. Yes. Anyway, uh, the exhaust part was taken, and the wiener had to go into the shop <laughs> to get a new one. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. No. Can you imagine the look on the faces of the guys in the shop when a giant wiener rolls in? <laughs> Talking about the giant the, hot the, dog. The auto shop. Yeah, yeah, yes. of course. Yes. Well, obviously, this is a very unique vehicle. So the repair wasn't cheap. Um, not that Oscar Mayer wouldn't be able to foot the bill for it, but yeah. it's, it's still pretty substantial. Well, no worries, because somebody has stepped in and offered to foot the bill. Wow. But they have conditions. Okay, which are? Well, the Wienermobile, Wienermobile's catalytic savior was PETA. What? And they said they would pay for the repair. Wow. If the company would convert the vehicle to a vegan hot dog mobile. <sighs> Give me a break. <laughs> this is real. I have verified it. It's not an Onion article or anything like that, okay? PETA president Ingrid Newkirk made the offer to Kraft Heinz, who owns Oscar Mayer, in a letter that Thursday, uh, last Thursday, they wanted it to be called the Not Dog Mobile, or or something similar. It, does PETA do anything <laughs> that isn't self-serving? No, like, of course not. Do well, they, they do anything the animals, that isn't virtue signaling? No, like, I swear. Now, the, the, here's the thing. This is hilarious. Obviously, it's very weird. Yeah, but hear me out, okay? Yeah, I kind of like this idea. 
and it could save Oscar Mayer some cash, right? Okay. There are multiple Wienermobiles, okay? All right. On the road. Only this one needs a new catalytic converter. So actually convert this Wienermobile to a vegan-friendly model and call it the Beyond Wienermobile or something, you know? I mean... And this is the one vehicle specifically that stocks plant-based wieners instead of regular ones. Uh, Beyond Me is centered in Battle Creek. So. There you go. I, I mean, I think there's a need for this, you know? It'd be yeah. a good way for them to catch up to the rest of the meat alternative options. Huh. Maybe I need to reach out to my, my buddy who, who owns the banana car and see if he can yeah. help him out. I mean, if, I, if I'm them personally, I'd, I would relish in this opportunity. No. I've, no. I'm not responding. I'm No. I'd, I'd go on, but I don't have a pun for mustard. Frank God, right? No. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Hot dog. You know you love it. Kalamazoo's Rock Station 1077 RKR. Rock and Morning Show with me, Paul. And Mark Frankhouse. Mark, we are under attack. Uh-oh. Did who? you know that? Um, I'll tell you this. They're violent. They're fast. They're agile. They're cunning. They're smart. They're elusive. And they're from Canada. My God. We are under the threat of a Canadian super pig invasion. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? So the U.S., <laughs> we all know about kind of the wild hog issue in the U.S. Yeah. Mostly in the South, but like, you know, Michigan has year-round hog hunting mm -hmm. as long as you get the proper licensing and stuff. And it's it's not as bad here as it is, say, in the South. Yeah. But there is a a... a I don't want to say mutated, but there's an alternate breed of hogs, of pigs coming out of Canada right now that are being called the Canadian super pig. Wow. What makes them so genetic? It's different. They are, they're a little bigger, they're a little faster, and they're smarter than uh, the typical like feral hog that you'll find in the U.S. Gotcha. They basically have adapted to the idea of, oh, they're hunting us. So we learn to adapt and be nocturnal instead of active during the day. Um, they're bigger and grow a little thicker coats, I guess. They can adapt to colder weather better. So in the winter, they will actually burrow into the snow with their whole sounder, which is a, a group of pigs. Yeah. They burrow into the snow with the whole sounder and basically create this like under the ground in the snow uh, igloo. And the whole sounder stays in there and stays warm. That is ridiculous. They have learned to overcome and adapt the environment and humans hunting them to just explode across Canada. Ah. And now they're starting to reach into the northern states of the U.S. Good Lord, man. Um, they think there's a population in North Dakota. But they also have said, like, as fast as this population is growing. Yeah. It could very easily get into all of the northern states of the U.S., including Michigan, relatively quick. Yeah. Dude, the entire time you're telling me this, uh -huh. the, the only thing in my head is going, I'm thinking, oh, my God, Marvel is just licking their chops thinking about the bacon that they're going to make. And you know, you know they're going to be making some bacon. You know what they're going to call that ex-mutant or whatever from Canada? What? Canadian bacon. <laughs>